To Be a Yogi. I'm Edward Reed, producer and host of the To Be a Yogi podcast. Today I'll be interviewing Lindsay Kimura. Lindsay and I sometimes sub for each other's yoga classes at Crunch Fitness. We'll be discussing Bikram as well as other hot yoga, the ancient origins of pole fitness, the pole championship series, teaching yoga and pole at Crunch Fitness, and for her at Hot 8 Yoga, as well as yin yoga, Ayurvedic cooking, and Reiki and energy healing in general. And so, without further ado, let's get to the interview, shall we? Good morning, welcome to the To Be A Yogi podcast. Hi, Edward. Thank you. So, yeah, just to start with my weird question, um, would you mind telling us a little bit about the meaning of your name? Yes, yes. So my name is Lindsay Kimura, and mm-hmm. Kimura is tree village in Japanese. So mm. ki is tree, mura is village. And then I actually looked up the meaning of Lindsay the other day, and Lindsay means linden tree, or it's from English, Scottish um, derivation. Oh, wow. A lot of tree things A lot happening. of trees. And linden then my... Tree. Yeah, my middle name that my grandma gave me, who's Japanese, is Kikuyo, Mm -hmm. and Kiku means chrysanthemum, so a lot of trees, a flower, and I love nature, so Mm. trees, flowers, mountains, the sea, so it does make sense when I think about it. Wow, how cool. Yeah. Is yoga the best place to start? I think so, because yoga is something that's been in my life the longest I would say out of all activities so when did you start practicing logically I started toward the end of high school so when I was 17 18 I can't remember if it was 2002 or 2003 Mm -hmm. uh, but it was toward the end of high school were you playing soccer yes so uh, growing up I was always playing a bunch of different sports like some seasons I would be a a five or some years I'd be a five sport athlete because each I think you your system was similar where each sport was three months mm-hmm. uh, so you know I would do volleyball and softball and sometimes cross country and gymnastics and soccer was the main sport that I played year-round for a club so when it came down to high school season I would play soccer as well nice. um so I found yoga my actually my very first yoga studio was the Bikram yoga in Studio City with Ted off of uh, Ventura Boulevard mm-hmm. and I just remember going in for the first time thinking it was completely crazy that the heat was that hot and yeah it was really smelly and the teacher <laughs> was screaming on a microphone oh my gosh so many different people because in high school I think you mainly stay in your demographic of kids your age right but in a Bikram yoga class you have males females young olds everything in between so it was interesting for me to look around and at that time I didn't have like the yoga focus uh, to just you know kind of look ahead I was looking around the room (laughs) yeah checking everyone out and comparing why isn't my bow as high as that person's (laughs) I've been hoping that someone would come on here and talk about um, why I'm so wrong to be so mean about Bikram yoga and and all the good things about it. Are you that person, or what yeah, was what was I your exactly. overall experience? I mean, between the it's controversy with great. the 
Yeah, it, aside from the controversy, I actually never <laughs> <There's> interacted. <that. laughs> right, right. I never interacted with him personally. Yeah. But uh, but I've studied and taken classes under teachers that have mm-hmm. trained under him. And I think for what it is, if you take it just as a practice of 26 postures, uh, we have one now called Hot Yoga 26 Plus 2. Mm. And... Um, it's pretty much the same thing. And, you know, you go in there just with a focused mind, like hydrate before, because they tend to be hotter than regular hot classes, at least here, um, because he always said, turn up the heat. Like, yeah. Very hot. And I think back in the day, they wouldn't let you leave the room, but they do now probably mm. for legal reasons. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I mean, the postures, there's a lot of, forward bend back bend forward bend back bend so if you do have back issues that could be a lot you just mm. have to know your limits uh, but in terms of a physical and mental practice staying in the heat doing the postures for an hour and a half i found to be beneficial just for healing um it's also a uh, fewer chaturangas and um it's a little easier on the shoulders than power yoga so if anybody has shoulder problems that may be a better mm. option interesting um, yeah. So, and also it's nice to compare yourself or just know, notice where you were at when you started and then your journey and where you are in the present day, because the postures never change. So the right. landscape is continuous. It's just, you're changing within the framework. Whereas other yoga practices, you change the postures every time. Yeah. So, yeah, I think there are benefits. And I always tell myself I'll get to a point where I won't be practicing that one anymore and I'll have moved on. I do other forms of yoga, but mm-hmm. that that one will be completely in the past. But I keep coming back to it. I heard back from someone who had listened to episode two in which I had replayed something that was from Huffington Post. And then I said, please don't. He wrote to me. One former Bikram trainee alleges that while she was pleading for him to stop... But then I I also heard that his teacher was the brother of Paramahansa Yogananda, which totally blew my mind. I was like, I had no idea that what in my mind were two completely different ends, opposite ends of the spectrum of yoga-ness, were so closely connected that they like knew each other, that the one was the uncle, you know, or something... Just what happened with him, I think, could deter a lot of people from the practice. And uh, now many studios are converting from Bikram yoga, you know, whatever the title was, to so-and-so hot yoga. Yeah, purple yoga. And the yoga, studio that, that I practice is uh, called, they call it hot yoga. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't have an affiliation. Um, many of the teachers who teach it also um, are not big supporters right. of personally so yeah just kind of keeping the practice alive without the all of the kind of stuff that comes with it I, I forget exactly but it was some number of cents like 20 cents goes to Bikram Chowdhury personally every time someone does a pose in one of his studios it's kind of oh like Gosh, mm, I, yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. I never like to dive into the gossip, but I always come across it from either yeah. his past students, past teachers, yeah. this yoga organization, and everybody has their own story, and they're all so different. Yeah. It's catty. It's a trip. It really is, you know, watching how yoga was affected. When, when self-realization was 
established over here, it kind of took on a certain form in order to adapt to what people were expecting and to make itself more presentable to people who were more familiar with a Protestant kind of thing. Then you have this flood of people when yoga became popular, a flood of people going to India saying, teach me yoga. And then Bikram happens. And it's just, it's all kind of related to globalization and kind of the flow of energies and people back and forth because it's so much more complex and human yes it's everybody's interpretation of the source and you know it's like you have this plethora of options poses uh styles to choose from and then you somebody goes out there picks them and then starts the practice under their name yeah and yeah i mean a lot of the teachers they say this is uh traditional yoga this is ancient um you know, it's sacred, the number of postures and the way they're put together. Um, it's from the source of India. So it's very interesting. Traditionally, you know, in Ayurveda, you're not supposed to pursue an activity if you go beyond breaking a sweat. So something mm. like hot yoga was prescribed only for very, like, specific conditions and yeah. ailments that the average human if they're healthy, doesn't need to be practicing it. And that's something that I always question myself with uh, regards to hot yoga is, you know, is this really good? Because I'm pitta, so I already have a lot of fire. Hmm. And it's probably not the best thing for my body, but I gravitate toward it because I want more of what I am in a way. And it just hmm. fuels that. And I think that's part of the yoga journey. And you know how they say in yoga, you're still a beginner, 10, 15, however many years yeah. in practice. So, uh, yeah, I still look at myself as very, you know, beginner relative to these ancient yogis and people who live the lifestyle in India. What other forms of yoga do you practice besides the Bikram and the hot yoga? Well, I started with a studio in Baltimore while I was in college called Charm City Yoga. Mm -hmm. And they had the traditional, uh, like the Ganesh statue and the incense burning and the mm. old wood floor. And so I feel like the practice I got there was much more traditional. And on the schedule, it was things like you could take Kundalini or Hatha or Vinyasa. And it was more of a style you were taking. Uh, so yeah, I feel like I got the traditional practice there. Mm -hmm. And then currently I teach yin yoga as well and the woman we trained under study directly under the co-creators and founders um so i feel like the lineage is close to the root because i think yin yoga sometimes can get the the it can become broad and a lot of teachers di teach different right. ways but it's not in alignment with the actual founders um so yeah yin yoga and i practice uh, kundalini i don't teach it but um, I've been practicing that for a while. Hot Yoga is my main, the main studio that I practice and teach at now. Did you get your training? It was the Mukti School. Julie Rader in uh, Huntington Beach. Uh, it wasn't actually her, but it's her school. And mm -hmm. uh, Bethany Eanes, um, who actually, she coached the women's basket, or basket, the women's soccer team that won a couple years ago. Oh, okay. Um, she's a Lululemon ambassador and uh, up on posters and the Lululemon stores yes. and stuff, all that good stuff. Um, 
I came a different direction. Like I, I, I was a drama geek that thought that that meant that I wasn't a jock when I was a, you know, a teenager. And uh-huh. so I couldn't have imagined ever working at crunch fitness, right. <laughs> you know, like yes, walking around in that place. Talk to you more about crunch. <laughs> <laughs> but then my, my dad and I used to chant ohm together, but we never did any stretches, but I always felt like I had that I was a practitioner of yoga and a, a yogi on some level or, or aspiring to be one. And so, so now working that, you know, teaching power yoga every week is kind of working the opposite in my mind, working the opposite side that I needed to work on, you know, uh, the part I was missing. Like I can, right. I can sit and the say, Oh, I'm real time. good, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I need to work on uh, that other stuff. And it really does help, you know, when the body, I'm sure, you know, when you, when you get the body into that buzzing state where you've done a, a lot of good work and then you get into a meditative state it's just so much you can't even describe it to someone who hasn't experienced it like all the little aches and pains that i took for granted before are gone you know that's incredible when you're trying to meditate and it's like okay if that's the thing that the word trying goes away like when when you put you know a good hatha yoga or vinyasa yoga before the meditation Yes, yes. I think that's in in the West, we think of yoga as the physical postures, like the asana part. But that's just only one tiny part of the whole, you know, experience and um, teaching of yoga. Uh, So people think like, oh, yeah, yoga is the the poses. And um, pretty much the whole point of yoga is to get to a place where you can sit still and meditate. Um, So Technically, if you already can do that, you don't need to do the physical posture anymore. Right, yeah. But yeah, a lot of us need, especially with our mental body so active, we need to go into that physical practice to kind of calm everything down, let energy flow, and then be able to sit. It's interesting. The um, There's the idea of like the, the gym class as opposed to the studio class as far as yoga. But I think... I mean, you know, just to plug Crunch a little bit in their yoga classes, from what I've heard, most of them are kind of the exception to the rule of of gym classes. So you go to Crunch and you get something a little more than you would expect out of a yoga class at a, at a gym where there's people lifting weights and doing all, you know, spin in the next room. Yes, I agree. I think Crunch has, a, well, first of all, they have innovative classes. At least our Crunch. Bring in. Right. And then the teachers, if you look at the lineup, they're really great. They have experience teaching for many years. They've taught it. They do teach at other yoga studios. So it's not like they've taken a training in the gym. They love doing it. Each. Yeah, they love doing it. They, It's part of, it's pretty much their life. So and yeah, then innovating, bringing in drums and things like that. Oh, yeah. The latest I heard was bungee stuff. So, <laughs> yeah, nice. Someone asked me, one of the anti-gravity uh, teachers asked, did you get certified for the bungee class? And I said, no, this is the first I've heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> Which, that, that, um, since we're on the subject, we were going to also talk about pole. Um, just to, briefly, I wanted to talk about it because you and I know that a lot of people get a lot of serenity and fitness and fun out of the practice of pole dancing. And also a lot of people, maybe not the audience of this podcast, but a lot of people out there don't think of pole as anything outside of strip clubs. So I think it's important to talk about and clarify and keep the conversation going and active and, and keep voices being heard about how much more there is to pole. 
Yes, yes. So traditionally, pole originated in China with Chinese pole. So you may have seen the acrobatic style pole. Mm -hmm. It's a little now it's rubber, and it's usually men that practice it. Mm -hmm. uh, so it was an ancient practice in China. Also in India, they have malakam. I don't know if you've seen the the thicker wooden poles that mm. are more singular shape, uh, but there is the practice in India, and that was men as well. Uh, so the idea of using a vertical apparatus to do acrobatics and gymnastics like moves is not new right but because it has a stigma of the strip club in mainly north america and some other countries um and continents they it's we have to get over that hump to be able to have people just look at it as an activity yeah. and it's interesting if you go down to south america or certain places that didn't have pole and strip clubs it's much easier for them to accept it as a form of fitness and they when they hear pole they think oh pole fitness first versus here in the u.s if you say pole the first right thing most people think of is it's that joke keep your daughter off the pole yes yeah. so she doesn't end up on the girl's right you gotta give her enough hugs yeah <laughs> yes, exactly yeah but i think it's a wonderful practice to pair with something like yoga mm -hmm. because yoga you are constantly working with the theme of root to rise and press down to go up yeah whereas aerial and pull you're working with the theme of pull to rise so you're using your your latch your core things that you wouldn't uh, i mean you do use those in yoga but you strengthen it and it i don't know i just feel this like adds another dimension Literally. Yeah, another dimension. And it's the whole idea. We're always seeking to kind of rise and uplift. And it's a w another way to do it. Yeah. A flipped perspective and inversion therapy is amazing for your, for everything, for the, all the benefits. So when you're doing aerial fitness, oh, like right. pole or silks, which is the fabric hoop, you are upside down a lot of the time and um, getting that inversion yeah so if someone has maybe they don't want to stand on their head or maybe you know there's they, their shoulders don't like it so much you can hang you like hang from your legs yes and still get that inversion in nice yes yes and it strengthens parts of the body inner thighs uh the lats as i mentioned things that in a lot more of a um, rigorous manner because you're lifting your entire body weight every time you pull up on the pole you know there isn't that ground foundation underneath of you to press so it does take a lot more uh, strength but it's not to discourage people from starting because you can build in layers so you go to your your first class and you can learn five seven things out of the first you know hour you do it mm -hmm. based on your the level that you enter from Nice. Yeah, so I think there's a huge crossover. And in all of the yoga communities that I'm within, you know, whether it's the crunch or the studios that I go to, they, um, every single person has had an experience with Ariel or really wants to try it. And I've seen... One of these days I'm going to. Yeah, I'm in the I second category yes, of wanting to try it. I just Monday haven't gotten to it yet. Crunch yes. um, sunset. <laughs> Monday what That's what time? That's the class at 9 p.m. So okay. it's pretty late. Hmm, 9 yes, p.m. Yes, but Monday. if you're All ever right. around the gym at that time, I'd love to have you in class. And okay. Co-ed. Is it upstairs? Uh, upstairs. Okay, cool. 
Yeah, I'll see what I can do. The, yeah, the traffic isn't so bad that time of night. Yeah, yeah, and if you ever take Colin's Kundalini, he teaches at seven, so then you can go from Kundalini to pole. That's a good idea. I should do that. I find as a teacher, if you're not teaching, you're normally training, but it limits your time to actually take other teachers' classes. Yeah, yeah, it's true. The place where I was trained, Namaste Highland Park, is with a physical location where the Mukti training was. And there's teachers there that I consider much, well, they are much beyond where I'm at in my, uh, you know, I've had my 200 hours. I've been teaching for almost three years, so that's where I'm at. But I, mm-hmm. I, I want to go to India and get some 500-hour action going, you know, and and uh, get some other yes. trainings and do some traveling. Do you know when you would do it? Go to India um, this year. But I want to go for a while, though. I want to go for like a month or two, kind of get a one-way ticket and see how see how it works out. Travel, yeah, spend some time in that Nepal. Would be incredible. Yeah. yeah so good. cool. My one of my main teachers is there right now. I think she's planning to be there for at least three months. Cool. Uh, she's learning Ayurveda and uh, she's more at the Ashtanga focus school, but she's learning um, not just yoga, but Ayurveda and other elements that come with just living the lifestyle. Nice. Uh, so, yeah. We have uh, Dr. Yogesh Wankade from, I believe he's in Rishikesh. I apologize, Yogesh, if I got that wrong. Um, <laughs> but uh, he's he's a Ayurvedic doctor, so he, he's going to come on for his fourth appearance next week. Nice. Give us some nice. recipe recommendations for yeah. winter I into think, spring. Yeah, Ayurveda is, I've, I haven't taken any formal schooling in it, but I've always been interested and yeah. read many books on it and mind all of the uh, recommendations and just what they what they um preach about just living that lifestyle and i believe it's very very true and i always advise people like if they're looking to study alternative medicine and go further if they're more plant-based in their diet and just lifestyle versus um, animal-based, they should go the Ayurveda versus the traditional Chinese medicine route, right. which are similar, but um, the Chinese medicine route recommends animal products. Right. Yeah, I went to uh, to an acupuncturist, and I was really surprised when, uh, you know, because I was having low back issues, and she was asking me about my diet, and I said I was vegan, and she, like, you know, kind of put her hand on her hip and was like, so when are you going to get over that fad? And I'm like, okay, this is really rude. You know, like this is sort of like on a religious level. Like I, if, if it means being unhealthy for me not to kill, then that's what I'm going to do. I mean, you know, like you're not going to talk me out of being vegan, you know, like what what are you doing? Why are you trying? What's wrong with you? You know, like, (laughs) you know, yes, because in traditional Chinese medicine, food is the first first thing you should use to cure yourself before you take other forms of right. medicine. Yeah. And sometimes the recommendation is bone marrow and chicken and, and all sorts of, of meat. And so if you say, Oh, I don't, I don't take that. It's almost as if you're denying a cure for yourself. Right. Uh, so it doesn't make sense to them. So it sounds almost like a pseudo, you know, some kind of pseudo medicine, snake, snake oil, or, you know, right. kind Here of thinking. Yeah, but I guess in their culture, uh, the, that type of medicine is prevalent and the most, it's the oldest form and it's yeah. like how Ayurveda developed and um, it's much more practiced and accepted than it is here. Yeah. In the nice. West. 
What's the name of your website? Oh, it's LN as in Nancy K dash co. So C O dot com. So Ellen K dash co dot com. And that is just where I have what I offer. And it looks like yoga is one of a few things. Yes. So I offer yoga, pole, depending on what people need, Mm -hmm. energy healing and readings. So spiritual readings, whether we use cards, crystals or nothing else. So you're a a Reiki practitioner as well? Yes. I've always done forms of white light visualization since I was younger and energy healing. Mm -hmm. But I never had the actual attunements that you get with a Reiki master. So I kind of did that for the formality and just to to grow and see if there was anything else that I yeah. could learn, which is always the case whenever you take a training. And so I did get the attunements. And after level two, you're able to practice on others. So level one is you practice on yourself because you want to heal yourself and be a pure vessel. And not that we could ever fully 100% heal ourselves until you know, ultimately the whole world is healed uh, since we're all connected. Right. But level two, after that, you can practice on others. And so you kind of get the attunements based on when you're ready. And I thought of it more as a formality, but I don't connect as much to the symbols as I do to white light. Right. Work. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I can relate with that for sure. Yeah. 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 And I just started getting into the Western uh, tradition a few years ago with Naha at the House of Intuition. And I'm more based in Eastern, Mm -hmm. or that's where my knowledge is from yoga, uh, Chinese history, medicine. So coming into the Western side of things has been really interesting to cross compare. And what I noticed is everything is so similar. Yeah. And I look forward to, I think one of your podcasts talks about the the similarities. So I look forward to listening to that one. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I, um, I recommend the interview with Benabel Wen on the Esoteric Nerd podcast. Ooh, cool. I just wrote her name down. She ended right. up kind of interviewing me about halfway through because I have a bizarre background in Western Esoteric. Right. <laughs> yes. I started to listen to a few of your podcasts and I find you very fascinating. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I to learn more. Nice. Yeah, and I what I noticed, I think this came to me during sometime during the yoga, the two hundred hour yoga training I did this or last year actually. So mm-hmm. I'm a new yoga teacher in her I mean I've taught people off the grid before I was certified, but mm-hmm. in terms of getting my uh, yoga line formal yeah. yeah the formal training as formal as that is it's like yes, only formal because nobody else did it first but yeah <laughs> like, my certification is very interesting because well I have a friend for example in Colorado she's probably one of the best known pole stars and practitioners and teachers coach everything um, I don't know if she has a single formal certification but she's one of the best um so i think there's value in being good at what you do and then right. if you can add the certs just to have them yeah you more reputable and accessible i guess and you can pass criteria to then you know reach more people because ultimately at the end of the day you just want to be practicing what you do well and helping people right kind of get the certification as well as the experience and be able to weave them together yes we were actually just talking about that i'm taking a tarot course right now with naha Mm -hmm. 
Mm -hmm. at she her company's 22 teachings and then she does that for the house of intuition and we were talking about left and right brain and how right brain you have the information or you have the experience and the creativity but then to be able to deliver the information uh is the left brain but that's why you need both and the patients help with the left brain that makes a lot of sense yeah just the polarity is yeah, sometimes I'll have, like, I, I know that I know something, but if I try to explain it, it's like poetry that only some people can understand what I'm saying. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yes. and I think that's another important part about teaching anything, whether it's yoga or pole, is to be able to speak to your audience. Yeah. Uh, you know, whether it is a bunch of athletes that have never done yoga or you are teaching, you know, very experienced people who live the yoga practice or right. yeah, just just your demographic it's important to relate to them and language yeah. they understand yeah it, sunset crunch is interesting because it's you get the athletic people but also you get the actors and people who are um in that you know in in, in the entertainment community and yes yes and i always do what i want to do and what feels natural mm-hmm as well so kind of that fine balance between not catering too much to the group but also just being yourself yeah and maybe if they've never said a chant before or they've never ended with or began with om they do and maybe they it feels weird or uncomfortable but then they've done (laughs) it (laughs) (laughs) i've done that a total of twice at crunch and the first time it worked and the second time i was saying om by myself And I haven't done it since. <laughs> and then other teachers were like, oh, yeah, you don't want to say Om because, you you know, you get people who are very Christian. They think that, you know, they're betraying their religion. If they, they think they're chanting a different God's name or something, they just really don't know. They, you know, they get freaked out by the quote unquote religious aspect or the hocus pocus aspect of yoga. And it doesn't help that there's cardinals and, and, and people in the Catholic Church saying that it's the, the literally satanic and really (laughs) no it gives people power and empowerment yeah (sighs) yeah so so that's interesting (laughs) (laughs) we can relate yeah it's good stuff so before we close out um is there anything that while you have a captive audience do you have anything any projects coming up anything you want to let people know about the pole championship series is an elite competition series for professional pole athletes Mm-hmm. to formalize the presentation of poll to make it exciting and standard for the public. So similar to what the UFC did for MMA mixed martial art fighting, where they've taken an underground activity of cage fighting and then brought it to the mainstream in the form of the octagon and, you know, this person versus this and all the advertising. We want to make it a package that can be presented to TV. So we've standardized the length of routines and written a set of rules and just make every event the same. So we started that back in 2012 and we found the Arnold Sports Festival as the home of our event. So 
we do our event in association with the Arnold Sports Festival, which if people haven't heard of that, which many people may not have, but it's one of the world's largest multi-sport festivals that's been going on since the 80s. And originally Arnold Schwarzenegger had started that as just a bodybuilding event. And then over the years, it started adding sports and activities. And in 2014, pole was considered an official sport in the U.S., and it's exciting that yoga is going to be there for the first time this year in March. Uh, and our rooms are adjoining. So we have a little air wall between. So there'll be pole and yoga. And I know that it's probably far from the traditional, you know, it's the competition-based yoga. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's introducing yoga to this platform of hundreds of thousands of uh, fitness enthusiasts and professionals that otherwise may not be into it and they yeah. might try it like they're they're starting to try poles so i think that is a really nice nice pair to have yoga and pole together at the festival um my colleagues and i were joking that they might find me up over in the yoga room when I'm actually supposed to be like running the stage <laughs> on the full side. Nice. Um, right? But yeah, I think that's an exciting thing coming up. So uh, that's one of my focuses right now. That explains the pictures of you with Arnold Schwarzenegger also. Yes, yes. <laughs> and we've, they've expanded now Arnold Classic Worldwide to uh, all six, six major continents. Mm-hmm. And we are following suit. So we did Africa and Asia last year. And we're doing Australia, Brazil, Europe this year, um, in addition to the U.S. So it's exciting to bring this in a standardized form around the world. Very cool. Yeah, and that's all a pole championship series. If people want to look that up, they can find it on the web or Facebook, Instagram, all those platforms. Sounds good. And I've got a link to your website on the page that corresponds with this episode. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for being our guest on the To Be a Yogi podcast today. Thank you so much for having me, Edward. Absolutely. And uh, hopefully we'll have you on again. And I look forward to taking one of your poll classes in the near future. Yes, I look forward to having you in class. Very cool. You guys did a great mannequin. Uh, Was that you guys? Doing the, yeah, the mannequin challenge? multiple ones. So <laughs> Mercy also teaches at Crunch. So oh, right. She did one, I did one, and we did one for, or Mercy did one for Lyra. So we have pole and, and hoop mannequins. <laughs> nice. Cool. Well, we will be in touch. Sounds good. And I'll talk Thank to you soon. Thank you, Edward. Have a great weekend. You too. Thank you. Namaste. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you, Lindsay, for being our guest on the podcast tonight. Looking forward to that class. Special thanks also to Brian Dahl, and that's spelled B-R-Y-I-N-D-A-L-L. He's the one who provided the music that you're hearing right now. If you'd like, you can follow Lindsay on Instagram and Twitter, both at L-I-N-K-K-8-5. You can also find me tweeting at Edward Reed. And if you're near Hollywood, do feel free to stop by my 5 p.m. Friday power yoga class. And I'll see you then. Next week, Yogesh Wankade will be returning for part four in our ongoing Ayurvedic medicine and cooking series. Thank you all for tuning in. To the north and to the south, to the east and to the west, to the spirits of light among us, 
and to the spirits below, we send out our reverent love and compassion. May all beings be happy. May all beings be serene. May all beings be in peace. Oh. Namaste.